welcome to Over the Edge Podcast with Paige Ray. I am Paige. And this is a weekly chat about pushing creative boundaries, making big moves without knowing all of the answers, and jumping off a cliff to our dreams while figuring out how to build a plane on the way down. So find your favorite chair, grab your coffee, and get ready to live the dream without losing your mind. Let's go over the edge together, friends. Welcome back to Over the Edge, and we have a double treat for you today. We have a part two. We have a very exciting guest who's returning, our first returning guest, community architect Bailey Hancock. Oh, I'm so excited. And if you haven't listened to the first episode, please go listen to the first episode. You're going to love it because you're going to hear that Bailey Hancock is a connector, collaborator, and catalyst for community. She is confident that community connection and collaboration, or as she calls them, the three C's to saving humanity are the keys to our survival as a species, as well as the quickest way to feel less alone in this world and succeed together. Most people get why the three C's are important in theory, but lack the understanding of how to actually build community, connect with others, and collaborate versus compete. And that is where Bailey comes in. Welcome back to the podcast, Bailey Hancock. Yay! I'm so honored that I get to be the first repeat guest. That means so much. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you here. We had such a blast last time, and we were still going by the time we finished recording, and we went, oh, we need to have a part two. We've got to come back and keep having this conversation. Yes, 100%. I was not (laughs) done with that conversation. (laughs) Do you know what I was thinking about the other day? Bailey, is I heard this audio, this trending audio on TikTok, and I thought, you know who would get a kick out of this? And it's this audio that starts with this girl going, how hard can it be? Boys do it. And then she realizes, how hard can it be? Boys do it. And that is something that I think about every every day. Every time I come across something that I'm like, oh, how am I going to do this? And then I think, well, how hard can it be? Boys Boys do it. I so love that clip too. I've been seeing it pop up in so many inventive ways. Like literally, I won't even go into all the examples I've seen because there's been across the board, but it's such a good reframe for women because yeah, so often we talk ourselves out of doing things because we think we're not fill in the blank enough, right? Ready Mm -hmm. enough, or we don't have enough experience or blah, 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 blah. And to be honest, most of the time men are out there just doing shit without questioning any of that. And whether they're the best for the job or not, it doesn't really matter because they're like, well, why not? I don't, I can't put myself in the headspace of man. So who knows what they're actually thinking or not thinking, but I have to imagine they just do it because that's how it's always been done. Yeah. They're just not worried about it. And I think about this a lot, actually. I think about this in regard to manifestation, because when I think about, for a long time, I, I've been in the kind of camp of like, well, the teachings of manifestation manifestation aren't equitable, so I'm not fully on board. Mm-hmm. And I kind of go back and forth with it. And then one day I was, I was listening to something about manifestation and it hit me that, oh, what this really is, because it speaks to women so at large, what this really is, is teaching women how to consider money and life and movement and success the same way that men are taught to t- consider it from birth, right? Like that a it's given, like a it's given. Just a given. It's just going to be there. If you, if you lose money or you spend money, it's coming back to you anyway. Who cares? And I noticed that with my male clients is when they go to pay for a service, they're not, I'm, I can say whatever number and they're like, okay, great, charge it. It's all good. 
they're not worried about it because to them it's coming back anyway. And I, so my, my, my working theory right now is that really teaching manifestation is a lot about just teaching women how men are taught from birth to just expect the success, expect their level, expect whatever comes comes along. I still don't think it's fully an equitable series of teachings, but that's my current working theory that I'm kind of diving into. It's interesting. I think it all comes down to deserving and worthiness. Women feel like we have to earn everything we get. Like mm-hmm. we have to really make it happen for ourselves, including manifestation. Mm-hmm. I think this is why I've been looking at manifestation very differently in the last year or two as well, because before it was like, you just have to want it bad enough and then you need to earn it and da, da, da. And it's like all of these beliefs keep us from getting the things we want because we stay in the headspace of, we don't deserve it yet, but mm-hmm. we hope one day we will. Mm-hmm. And I think for better or worse, men, a lot of the time are born expecting whatever it is that they want. And so it's a shorter path to getting it, right? And there's still variables at play that keep you from getting it today versus two years from now. But women, I think we put up our own barriers between the things that we want in ourselves because we think we have to do X, Y, and Z to get there first. Right. And we also think that we have to like be good enough in some way before it'll come through. And I think we spend so much time on that working piece that how do I make myself good enough? And even when it comes to like the spiritual practice of it, am I good enough doing good enough at this spiritual practice? Am I, am I clearing my blocks enough? Am I doing X, Y, Z enough? And aren't we all just a little bit tired of that? Good Lord, the work has been killing me for years. The work, Mm -hmm. the work, capital T, capital W in quotes, the work. The work. I feel like this has been such a, I mean, I feel like I've been working on this crap since I was 25 and I'm going to be 40 this year. Like Mm -hmm. what, how, what, how, aren't I healed yet? And Mm -hmm. the answer is no, with every uncovering, you find a new room in your house that you didn't know existed full of crap. And you're like, oh my God, I thought I was just cleaning out a small closet. And turns out there's a mansion inside of my tiny home that I have to now deal with. (laughs) But I think something that I've been thinking a lot about in regards to healing and all of the spiritual, the work, right, Mm -hmm. is there is a point at which you're keeping yourself in it by constantly focusing on what needs to be fixed. And I mm-hmm. think that's where we go in circles with ourselves. And that's why we keep a lot of the things that we want from coming to fruition, because we're in this perpetual state of preparation mm-hmm. instead of in the state of, okay, anytime now I'm ready when you are universe. And that's a headspace I'm trying to put myself in. And like this whole collapsing timelines idea of what would it look like if you were in the place that you felt was the place you needed to be in in order to get the thing you want instead mm-hmm. of being way back here 20 steps behind needing to take the you know take the steps between here and there to get there so it's like what if we were ready to receive right this second what would that feel like mm-hmm. and if you can get yourself in that feeling place from what I understand, that should be the ticket. So keep me posted <laughs> on how that works out. But yeah. You know, and I think I think there's I have done it a few times. I've I've quantum leaped, I've rapid manifested a few times enough to make me go, okay, I think this might be be a real thing, but uh, I still don't know. And it's small, small things like um, waking, I woke up one morning and my, like, you know, no one was in my apartment and I was like, God, I would love some vegan donuts. I don't know why vegan donuts specifically, but it just sounded so good. And I walked into my kitchen, they were just sitting on the counter. What? That was awesome. Um, there's that there's, Oh, my favorite one is, um, this was such a practice and letting go, but I was on a shoot one time and my phone got stolen on a shoot. 
And this was a full day, multi-location. We've got three models in hair and makeup waiting to go to the next, um, next scene. There was not a lot of time to stop and like look for my phone. So I, I pick up the models. I drive them to the next scene. We shoot, we come back. It's 20 minutes in total because it was a really small, like the sun was setting. So we come back and I just put my car in park and I said, I let this go. My phone is gone. I let it go. It's going to be fine. And I get out of my car and the one model that hadn't come with us was holding my phone. And I was like, what is that? That is wild. And in that 20 minutes, he had gone to the security office, found the footage from the restaurant we were at where the phone got stolen, saw who stole it, recognized the shirt from the car wash across the street, went to the car wash, confronted the person who stole it, who basically said, yeah, it was me, man. Here you go. Just take it back. Got oh my, my phone gosh. back and came back at the same moment I was getting in park. And I just thought, oh my, as soon as I let it go, it immediately came back. Oh and, it, and I was like, okay, well, I guess that is a parallel of things are working in the background that we can't even see. And as soon as we let it go, it comes back. So I'm I'm not meaning to jump into a bunch of manifestation conversations because I still have my hangups for sure. But those small things that happen kind of make me go like, okay, I kind of see what you're talking about, but like on mass at large for everyone in an equitable manner, how do we all hop on board this? Because if it's not for everybody, it doesn't really get to be for anybody now, does it? So- right. That's where I am on that journey. To put a bow on it, the resistant thing, the resistance to whatever is and whatever is pissing you off. I've been thinking so deeply about that because that I think is the key to everything, right? Mm -hmm. The resistance to what is, is what keeps us in a state of discontent because we can't do anything about it, right? Maybe you can fix something. Maybe you can't. Usually you can't. Mm -hmm. And this comes up a ton with my kids because I have a two and a half and a four and a half year old. And let me tell you, my resistance to whatever is going on with them doesn't serve any of us ever. My frustration that arises out of us being late for something or of them not putting on their shoes or having their shoes on and then taking them off in the car as well as their socks and then throwing this out. It's like me getting mad about that doesn't actually fix anything. If I can, you know, in my higher moments, I can think, okay. It's chill, man. Nothing is that important that you can't take an extra minute to search for the other missing sock in the car before getting them into school. And when I can let go and just accept that this is the situation, I promise you, like time speeds up somehow. I get that, like I get back that extra five minutes in like a weird turn of events with traffic being easy or it, it just always works out. And I'm not mad. Mm-hmm. And like this idea, I I, th- I don't know how you feel about this, but I've always had a really hard time getting out of bad moods or Mm -hmm. turning my emotions around from when I was a little child. Like Mm -hmm. if I was in a bad mood and I wanted to be out of the bad mood, but I felt like I still needed to be in it for a little bit longer, Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to get out and I had to just wait. And now there are times where I'm fighting with my husband or the kids are aggravating me and I'm just ruminating in my mind. I'm Mm -hmm. frustrated, Mm -hmm. but like I'm not even with them anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm still sitting in that that rage or that frustration. I think to myself now, okay, look, what if you just pretended 
that you were still really mad so that they think you're still really mad, but you're actually not mad anymore? What if you Mm -hmm. just stopped being mad and let them keep thinking you're mad? Then like, you don't have to feel bad anymore. Mm -hmm. They can still think you're mad. Why that matters, I don't know. Um, But that works every time for me. I'm like, okay, cool. Our little secret self, we're not gonna be mad anymore, but they can still think we're really mad. And for whatever reason, that helps me jump right out of the bad mood. Mm -hmm. And it helps me be back in a place of happiness. And then of course, within minutes, I've forgotten about the thing. I'm in a better headspace. And often Charlie, my husband will come in and he's still expecting me, be, me to be mad and I'll be over it. And he's like, oh, are we done with this? Okay. Okay, cool. Anyway. And like the whole <laughs> mood is shifted as opposed to me sitting in that anger. Right. And what do they call it? I think it's called like the second arrow or something like that, where the first arrow is the thing that happened. That's the fight. The second arrow is the one that you allow to stay piercing your body, even though the moment is past. Like, the second arrow is fully your own doing and Mm -hmm. it's totally unnecessary. And we often punish ourselves to punish other people, which makes absolutely zero sense. Let's underline that. Let's underline that. I think that's, I love that. Yes, exactly. And speaking of ruminating on specific thoughts, do do you, did you know, here's what I learned from being in therapy. Uh, Here's what I learned from my therapist. Did you know obsessive compulsive disorder can manifest mentally, not just with outward physical compulsions, but with thoughts, because I definitely, she she diagnosed me with OCD of thoughts, which is I get caught on one thought and then I obsess over it. And then I feel a compulsion to keep obsessing over it. Cause if I don't keep obsessing over it, the worst, the worst will happen. Right. I have right. to make myself feel that second arrow again and again and again. And I'm, and I'm not saying that's not necessarily what you're talking about, but I do understand the ruminating thought and the, the hardness of like, I'm still feeling this. How do I, how do I release? How do I expand beyond this current moment? Right. Uh, And Mm -hmm. then you're not even in the moment you are living in the past. And the moment is literally all we have, which Mm -hmm. is a concept that has been taught to me for at least 15 plus years. And still there are days where I'm like, oh, that's what we mean with being Mm -hmm. present. Oh, I get it now. And then I don't get it. And then I get it. And then I don't get it. And it's this perpetual cycle, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I want to go back to the point you made originally about boys can do it because this just came to me as it relates to community boys and men have relied upon the system mm-hmm. of you know mm-hmm. the good old boys club the mm-hmm. patriarchy the male dominated social communities whether it's the golf course or mm-hmm. the club or wherever women have not been allowed that is what has allowed them to get the bulk of the opportunities since mm-hmm. you know the dawn of patriarchy not the dawn of time because it wasn't always this way <laughs> and i think that this is something subconsciously probably that has made me care so deeply about teaching women how to build community for themselves because we have that individualist mentality like we have to earn it we have to do it ourselves or else I don't know it doesn't count I'm not sure Mm -hmm. this is also something I taught so much when I was doing collaboration consulting I would have to teach these amazing female founders that to collaborate with others was not cheating it was Mm -hmm. not you know, breaking the rules. It was literally how men do it and Mm -hmm. how they've done it since the dawn of patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And so there's this, I think that's such a perfect little clip that you mentioned at the start, because it is true. It's like, boys do it. How hard can it it. be? Mm -hmm. And like, we are inherently better community builders Mm -hmm. by nature, Mm -hmm. right? 
I don't, you know, I know we've talked about fight or flight and um, there's the freeze and, you know, reactions. There's also tend and befriend. That is one of the reactions that you can have to a stress response is tend and befriend. And women typically do that. Like in a study of male and female mice, when faced with a stressful situation, men tend to fight or flee or freeze mm-hmm. and women or girl mice, they <laughs> tended to bundle up together and support each other and act as a pack to keep themselves safe. And so this tend and befriend idea, it's in us. It's just nature has, or rather nurture has sort of beat us, beat it out of us, right? Mm. Like it's made us think that in order for something to count as a success, we have to achieve it on our own. Mm -hmm. Nobody does that. Like nobody. LeBron's not acting on his own. LeBron's got a team of people that are helping him be the best, right? Like that isn't true. That is a community that is collaboration. It's just, yeah, nobody's doing it alone. Nobody's doing it alone. And the most successful female entrepreneurs that I've ever encountered, seven figure businesses, lots of press, lots of, lots of eyes on them, the most, and like, and they're completely in line and happy within what they're doing and what their work is. The most successful female entrepreneurs I've ever encountered ask for everything that they can think of. They don't expect to get it all. They expect to get no's. But they ask for anything that they could possibly want to anybody they could possibly think of asking it for. And it's, and it's, if you're wondering, well, what do they ask for? Everything. Absolutely everything. I've seen people say, can I just have that for free? And sometimes they get a yes. It's right. Wild. It's wild. And I don't even mean a service. I mean like a coffee, right? Like it, they just ask for everything. And, and I've been on the receiving end of the asks before, and this is where it first caught my attention. And I was like, I don't, this is like, I know, like, I don't have the time to do this. This isn't in your package. Like, oh my goodness. Like I was overwhelmed by the asks. And then when I said, you know what? No, because boundaries, um, they were like, okay, great, whatever. And like, they didn't, the no doesn't, didn't phase them. So it's that they ask for everything, expecting no's and the no's don't phase them because when they get the yeses, that's where a lot of their breakthroughs come through. And they have no preconceived notions about what a no might mean about them or about anybody else. They're just asking because they might get a yes. And I, that blows my mind. And so maybe this is what my question is for you, because I'm somebody And listener, if this is you, welcome. Um, I'm somebody that's very shy and have completely told myself my whole life, like, I'm just going to do it on my own. Like, I don't want to bug anybody is what I've always told. I don't want to bug anybody. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I need to figure out how to do do this on my own. And I never ask. I never do the asks. Um, I rarely collaborate. So this is a really interesting conversation for us to have because I rarely collaborate and and like I have my own reasons, but that doesn't mean I'm right about them, right? Like I so so if somebody is shy, if somebody and I'm ten years into my business, it doesn't have to mean that you're starting out to be shy. Um, somebody who doesn't know what to ask, when to ask, who to ask how to ask, how do you speak to them about all of that? Well, first of all, I don't collaborate either. And I mean, I'm, that's my jam. (laughs) I teach people how to collaborate and I love the idea of collaboration, but I am like you in that I have always felt like I need to do it myself. I Mm -hmm. need to prove to whoever that I can do it without any help. And I see it in my two and a half year old daughter. She does everything by herself And I'm like, can I just help? Can I just be here to help you? And she just doesn't want it. And I'm like, okay, fine, Miss Independent, go for it. But like, you got to get over this at some point, because let me tell you, life is better if you let people help you. 
So I think it comes down to being clear about what it is that you would like help with to begin with, because some of us don't even allow that thought into our heads. Mm. What is it? Like if I were to say right now, Paige, what could I do to support you? What would you say? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. You know, I the thing that always comes to mind for me is like, you were talking earlier about proposals and sending out proposals. And in my mind, I'm like, where do you find the places where you can put a proposal together? Like, oh, I do. I do it in Google Docs. <laughs> There are places, but like, no, I, I mean, like, do it the hard way. <laughs> no, I mean, like, where do you find RFPs? Like, I am scouring the internet. Like, what projects can I bid on? How do oh, you yeah. even like get into a space where you can find find proposals to make for? You know, that is not how I'm going about it. So oh. let's dip into human design for a moment because why not? We're already already talking about quantum leaping. Um, so I'm a projector in human design, and our design, our strategy is to wait for the invitation. And what that means is I have more success typically if I put myself out there, let people know what it is that I do and what I can offer, and then the right people come to me. And so these proposals that I was telling you about, these are for people that I've had exploratory calls with who I posted to LinkedIn. As you know, so I got laid off two months ago and immediately decided I was going back out on my own as an entrepreneur to be a community architect. And I just have been posting to LinkedIn along the way, kind of keeping my community abreast of what I was thinking about offering, what I've put out there. You know, these are some things that I'm thinking. What do you think? Like, I am the kind of person that's just super transparent about everything. And I find that the more transparent I can be, Actually, now that I'm saying this out loud, this is how I ask for help. I let people in on where I am in a process, and that sort of allows them to see opportunities where they could support me without me having to directly ask. So sometimes I will post a LinkedIn like, hey, everybody, I haven't I haven't asked or you know, a call for help for you. And I put this out there a couple of weeks ago that I want to be on, I think I said 15 podcasts this year. Does anybody know any that I could be on that you think would be a good fit based on my topics that I speak to? That was one of the only direct calls for help that I have made going back into working for myself again. Generally, how I do it is I let people know where I am. I let them know what I'm working on. And then if they see a door to walk through to help me or to recommend somebody, they do. And so that's, I guess, how I've been able to be comfortable receiving support and help and how this has shown up so far in my business, which I'm so grateful for, is the bulk of the conversations I've had with potential clients have been with people I do not know directly. They're second degree connections to me through somebody we both know. And LinkedIn makes it the easiest, obviously, because you can see who you're connected to. And there's some kind of validity there and like confirmation that everybody's legit and not mm -hmm. just, you know, some random internet creep. And so I've been posting, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to offer similar to what I was doing in my last job, community strategy for people that are looking to either launch a community or grow a community or iterate upon an existing community. And with that, I've had a lot of people comment and tag somebody saying, oh, so-and-so, you should chat with Bailey. They end up in my LinkedIn DMs. I send them my Calendly link to do an exploratory call. And then we just get on the phone and I just pick their brains on what they're thinking about and what they thought I could do for them. Mm -hmm. And that has helped me build out my initial set of offerings too, because I'm hearing through lines through all these conversations. I'm seeing the parts where everybody's mostly getting stuck and could use support. And that's allowed me to say, oh, well, I would actually love to help with that. Here's how I can offer my help. So the proposals I owe people are, they've been waiting for me to tell them how they could work with me. 
And mm-hmm. as you know, in the early days of entrepreneurship, you're sort of throwing things at the wall, staying, seeing what'll stick. And mm-hmm. I think I've seen what spaghetti is going to stay stuck. And that's what I'm sending out. Via <laughs> uh, I love that. And I, I love that because that does, I, I think that gives a clear through line for people who are like, how do you reach people? How do you talk to people? What do you say when you talk to people? And to just simply let it be, I'm transparent with where I'm at. And then I put out there where I need help, where I want, where I'm looking for support. And so, okay, my immediate, like, I think that's fantastic. And my immediate response is like, what if I do that? And everyone laughs at me. What if I do that? And everyone goes, how ridiculous. Yeah, just curious, how many of those posts have you ever seen where people are just bagging on the person asking for help in the comments? (laughs) Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Is it one or is it absolutely zero? It's absolutely zero. (laughs) Right. That's a made up scenario, right? And I've Mm -hmm. also started doing this thing where I'm just straight up talking to myself all the time. I'm just Mm -hmm. combating my own bullshit all the time, all day, every day. And I've gotten really into learning about internal family systems, Mm -hmm. which basically talks about how we are all made up of parts um, that came to be because of something that happened in our lives. And in it, you can think of your parts as like beliefs that you have that are generally very, very old and mm-hmm. no longer relevant, but there's a part of you that doesn't quite realize that they don't need to be prote- protecting you in that area anymore. And mm. so one of my parts that I'm always dealing with is this it's kind of to go back to that resistance thing. It's this ego part of me. Mm-hmm. And I've started calling her bitchy Brenda. And <laughs> anytime I'm feeling resistance to something, or I'm feeling grumpy or frustrated or like, woe is me, this isn't fair, whatever. I will say, Hey, Brenda, sounds like, sounds like you maybe need to just take a little break. What do you think? Can you take a break and I'll take back over? And you know, Brenda's usually grateful for the break, right? Cause Brenda does everything you guys She's holding the world on her shoulders, right? And it's like, that's such a part of me that feels mm-hmm. that, that if I can recognize, if I can observe that part of me doing that, that thinking, mm-hmm. I can then ask her like, Hey, why don't you just take a seat and I'll take back over for a bit. You can pop in anytime, but like, I got this. It just helps remove that silly like reaction. And so mm-hmm. when you have that thought of what if they all laugh at me, mm-hmm. you could say, maybe there's like shy Sandy inside of you, right? That's like, oh God, they're all going to make fun of me. And she probably came to existence because maybe one time in your life, everybody did make fun of you. We all went to elementary and middle school. It's a great possibility that you didn't escape without a mockery moment. Like Mm -hmm. I have plenty. And so that part of you is still very much present. And you can remind her like, hey, by the way, I'm 40 now. We're good. Even if everybody were to laugh at us, we're so much less phased by that than we were when we were younger, when we had no confidence, like, my God, you put yourself out in the world so boldly, mm-hmm. right? What was, what was the thing you posted at the start of the year? This was going to be the year of, it was like, Icon- acting, being iconic. Oh, being iconic. Yes. yes. We are all going to be iconic this year. That's, that's just what we're going to do. <laughs> okay. And guess who cannot be iconic. If you're worried about being laughed at iconic women give mm-hmm. no F's about people that's thinking true. their ideas are stupid. I even have written on my little note wall notepad. It says, join the zero fucks given club. That is written on my wall right now. And something I've been doing lately is um, I've been doing this little kind of small group, like four week coaching program where we work on um, the inner critic and right. And after the first week I realized, oh, my inner critic isn't even my voice. It's a different person's voice. Mm -hmm. So I sat down my inner critic and I said, 
your work here is done. You are now fired. I, I let you go with love and peace and like goodbye. We're going to hire a new inner critic because there is, you know, to be like, it. it's helpful. It makes my work better to have somebody with a critical eye on it. Um, so that has been a revelation in terms of how I talk to myself about whatever I'm doing in the world. And speaking of, you know, all of the different facets of us, of us inside, do you know who loves, who loves more than anything, your current life right now? And will be like, if you're having resistance, if you're having a hard day and having a hard time finding the gratitude, do you know who's going to tell you how awesome your life is? Your 16 year old self is in complete awe of what you've done, what you've built. And will always be like, okay, wait, I, this was even beyond what I thought I could do when I was 16. This is so oh much God, better yes. than I thought I could do. Like I, I, I had no idea I could do any of this. And so you're, anytime you need that compassion, I always recommend go back to your 16 year old self who is totally in awe of absolutely all of this. And is like, don't worry about whatever this is. Who cares? Look at what you did. Like, right. Oh my God. I, I think totally about that all the time. That. I totally, when I'm feeling that type of way, I will pause. And I think we talked about this in, in the last episode where like checking with my nervous system, right? Like if I were an alien and I dropped into my body and I just did a quick scene check, like I'm not hungry, I'm not cold, I'm not tired, I'm not sick, I'm whatever, things are good, right? Mm -hmm. Assess the situation. Similarly, when I'm feeling down about something and I have fallen out of gratitude for mm -hmm. what I do have, I will pause and think, okay, me of 10 years ago, if she just popped into my life and got 30 seconds to quickly see everything around her, and I told her like, yeah, this is your house. You live here. This is your desk. This is the kind of stuff you're working on. She would be blown away. And that's just 10 years ago. You know, mm -hmm. she would so be like, what? You have got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. I, we get to live here and do this work and like go to these places, like get out of town, mm -hmm. right? It's the quickest way for me to get back into a headspace of gratitude for what I have, because mm -hmm. we do get used to things so fast. We get used to everything so quickly, good and bad. I think we can leverage that mm -hmm. adaptation about ourselves mm -hmm. in good and bad ways. And I think it's a strength and it's also a downside because we can adapt very quickly to, oh, well, this is our new bar for success. Now everything must be higher than that. And it's rare that we're on a perpetual upward mobility track. Like we go up and we go down and we go up and we go down. And I've been hearing a lot of messages lately around the beauty of neutrality as much mm -hmm. as possible, like mm -hmm. the higher, the high, the lower, the low, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just a balanced situation. And actually it's funny that this all is coming up right now too. My new company's name is Overlap Collective and Love my that. writing writing element. So the book I'm working on, the Substack I have, the podcast I'm going to be starting in the next quarter is called Seeking the Overlap. And the intention behind this overlap idea is it's the middle place on the Venn diagram, right? Between the two circles. And when I think about neutrality, when I think about finding balance, it's always that place in between the two extremes. Mm -hmm. And so I'm finding that the more I can stay either in as close to neutral or baseline or balance as possible, the easier and more flowy everything mm -hmm. else is. Yes. Yes. And I found that over the years, as I try to learn what regulating my system means and how to come back to calm and then live in a calm space versus being in flight or fight all the time, um, spaces like neutrality, spaces like regulation at first feel 
scary because what is this? Uh, will this last? Do I hang on to this? Um, and then they also feel sometimes a little bit and not to say it's boring, but they feel a little bit tepid because you're, because you're used to the heart racing of the fight or flight response, right? So yep. to find the neutrality, to find the regulation, that, that feeling of nothing's going on is, is not actually, it took this to me a little bit to understand. It's not actually boredom. It's simply like a readjustment, right? And there will be that beauty and that excitement in the neutral moments. Again, once your system locks into it or makes that more of like your, your prominent state of being, you know, if like I was in, I was in fight or flight for so long that I didn't know my friend, it's my friend that pointed out to me only a couple of years ago, like she said, Paige, you're actually not supposed to be anxious and panic all the time. Like you're supposed to be regulated. And I was like, I don't know what, what does regulated mean? Tell me, yeah. tell me more. And, um, learning that like going from mostly being anxious and fight or flight most of the time to spending a few years to figure out how to be calm most of the time and regulated most of the time is definitely an interesting journey. And I feel like there's an overlap with the concept of neutrality there and also learning to be regulated. Yeah. Well, I think I, and I had this realization as people were asking me, what does seeking the overlap mean? Originally, I was thinking, well, it means always trying to stay in the middle place on the Venn diagram between two opposing concepts or between two people finding that common ground. And yes, that is the goal, mm -hmm. just like emotional and nervous system regulation is the goal. But I think the reality and honestly, what you can come to expect in being a person is we're never going to stay in that neutral place all the time. We're never going to stay in the middle place on the Venn diagram between overworking out and total sloth life, right? Like it's probably going to be some combination of both and you're going to spend some time on one circle more than the other and, and vice versa. So to me, I've started giving myself more grace to kind of dabble outside of the overlap as well. So it's like, I'm always aiming for that middle place, but I'm not berating myself because I can't stay there perpetually. It's just like, balance. If you're balancing on a, on a seesaw, right? Like you can have one leg on either side. You're never going to just be standing there still having it perfectly balanced. That's just not life. It's mm -hmm. not possible, but you can hit it for a few seconds and then you kind of wobble again. And then you maybe hit it again. And I think of all these different areas in my life in the same way, where it's like, of course, I'm going to have good moments where I am productive every day. I'm in the flow. I'm in the zone. I'm cranking. And then the next week might be just a different kind of vibe. And I'm not going to be inspired to crank mm. out proposals. And and I think the older I get, the more I recognize that, oh, that's the system. That's how mm. it is by design. I think the idea of being a person is to aim for the overlap, seek the overlap, and then recognize that we're going to spend the bulk of our time wandering just outside or maybe really far outside of it. And that's perfectly acceptable. That's part of the deal. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. So aim for it by all means, let that be the goal, but don't be really disappointed in yourself when you can't remain, you know, always regulated and neutral and at baseline all of the time, because literally nobody can do that. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that when you reach that point in your life, that's probably when you die. I don't know. I, I haven't been given direct guidance on that, but I have to imagine like, once you sort of figure out how to stay in balance all the time, what else is there? Right. <laughs> is that, is the, is the mental movement around the overlap and around working with that kind of mentally, is that also part of like how you work with people is 
like kind of listening to how they mentally manage these concepts? It's a lot of the conversations I have with people. It's it's recognizing that we're all seeking some kind of balance or overlap. It's it, regardless of what industry you're in, what your job is, what your personal pursuits are and your hobbies and your issues in life, like we're all seeking some kind of balance point, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what we feel called to do. And if I can offer any wisdom in helping people realize that like, go for it, girl, seek that out and be chill with yourself when, when and if um, you actually fall out of it. It's perfectly acceptable. That's the way to do it. I love that. So I also want to talk about your community architect. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what that means and what that looks like. When I worked at my last company that laid me off, I was a community strategist and then strategy and ops manager. And so I was working with hundreds of community creators to help them come up with their community, launch their community, grow their community, scale it, um, improve it, problem solve, ideate, brainstorm, all of those things. So I was their on-demand community strategist, essentially. And going back out on my own, I'm so deeply passionate about community connection and collaboration. And one of the quickest, like one of the first ideas I had was, oh, I can continue doing those kinds of things, but with anybody, right? They don't have to be on that platform that I was on before. Um, It could be an in-person community. It could be a community on Slack. It could be a community on Facebook group. It could be a community wherever, right? The place doesn't matter so much as the intention behind it and the design Mm -hmm. of it all. Mm-hmm. So as a community architect, I help individuals and organizations conceptualize, launch, and grow successful com- communities where their members actually thrive and want to keep coming back month after month. Because what I have seen time and time again is people will create a community and then think, if I build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. And that is not true. <laughs> or they'll build it and people will come. And then those people will not renew their membership next month because what they came for is not what they received. And mm-hmm. so- a community is a living, breathing organism. And I think a lot of people don't really realize or appreciate that. They think a community is like a container for mm-hmm. people to come and do something. And there's obviously the desire to monetize community, but I have a lot of perspectives on like, what is a community versus a membership versus just an audience? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of companies and brands think an audience equals a community and it mm-hmm. does not. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think about it in terms of, well, what are they doing in this space? If they're just consuming information and they're not being able to communicate back to you or with each other, that's likely an audience. That's an email list. That's a social media following. That's Mm -hmm. a Patreon. And those are great things. But a community to me is it's people gathering around a common purpose or a common goal or even a location Mm -hmm. Um, and a membership can be a community and a community can be a membership, but they're not always the same thing, right? Like there's very much a Venn diagram between community and membership where there are overlaps, but there are also major differences. Mm -hmm. And I think what most people want to build is a membership, Mm -hmm. not a community. Because Mm -hmm. a community, you almost, it's not that you can't build community, you definitely can. But when community is done well, it's almost like people are already starting to form themselves. And then you kind of capture it a little bit and you, you give it a little bit more structure. Mm. So for example, you know, if people are gathering around, let's say, um, a coffee shop, right. Mm -hmm. We have a great coffee shop over in mid city called Jurassic magic. And I bump into friends there all the time. It's like on my street, I bump into people. I know it's the best thing ever. And you know what they could do 
is they could start to kind of formalize a bit more of the community, like by creating regular events that people mm-hmm. knew to come to by creating some kind of, um, I don't know, even like barter system, right? Where it's like, oh, every Thursday you can bring an item you no longer want and people, and, and I'm making all of this. That's up. so good though. That. But yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. they've got their own plans, their own, <laughs> their own ideas. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's this idea that if people are already sort of forming and gathering around something, can you, can you not even capture it, but really like form it into something that was a little bit more predictable for people because community mm-hmm. can feel very magical. It is at the core, very magical and very intangible. And so what I do is I help people imagine, okay, if there is an interest already for this thing, how can you put in some kind of layers to it that help people know what to expect mm. and help people understand how they're meant to engage with the community? Because community guidelines I would get pushback sometimes from my community creators on having guidelines because they're like, we don't need rules. And it's like, no, no, people love rules Mm -hmm. and they don't have to be hard, hard rules. They don't have to be like, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. I find that community guidelines are best when they tell people what to do, not Mm -hmm. what not to do. So Mm -hmm. it's like, what do you want us to do in this space, be it in person or online, right? Mm -hmm. Share ideas, not advice, or share experiences, not advice, right? Mm -hmm. That's a big one for good communities where you don't want people just being like, well, I'm a coach. Let me tell you how you should live your life. It's like, well, here's something that happened to me. Take from it what you want, right? There's Mm -hmm. a different energy there. So a lot of the time it is sort of corralling the natural energy and magic that's coming from a human gathering. Mm -hmm. Um, And recognizing that it's going to be evolving forever because Mm -hmm. no community is set and forget it, unless Mm -hmm. it's more of like a place where people are coming to achieve a goal, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's like, I'm joining this community for entrepreneurs looking to launch a course and do a webinar and a podcast, you know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, then it's more of like a membership where they're being educated on how to do something. Mm -hmm. But if you've got like an interest-based community, which many of them are, you have to recognize that you're going to have to sort of be flexible and adaptable based on the human beings that are joining that community, not Mm -hmm. even the type of person, but like the actual people. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's sometimes an undertaking that people just aren't willing to take on because Mm -hmm. it is a moving target and Mm -hmm. that is challenging. However, if you can do it and do it well, I think that kind of option, like creating a solid community where people are genuinely like coming together to do something and making change in themselves and the world, that is what actually changes the world for the better. So mm. it's a noble pursuit. If mm-hmm. it, it is a difficult one and it can be, that's why I'm here also to help ask the right questions, make sure you understand like the best practices for things and avoid pitfalls that you just wouldn't know to avoid unless you've done it before. I've done it hundreds and hundreds of times. So that stuff is easy for me, but it is worth the pursuit. Because Mm. it truly, I believe that, you know, connection, community, and collaboration is what will save our species. It's the only thing that will save our species. So it's worth the effort. I love that. And I have so, okay, I have so many questions, but I'm going to focus them in. So I'm going to ask about what is the overlap? If you are somebody who is starting from zero and wants to build a community, or if you're somebody who has had a community for a long time and you feel like it's fallen off and you want to revive it, What's the overlap of the major pieces that you need to move into place to either start or revive? And what are the pitfalls to avoid? I have a great downloadable 
for either of those people. Yes, which will be in the show notes. Yep, we'll put it in the list. Um, You can also go to baileyhancock.com backslash community curious to get it. But it's a list of 50 questions to consider for a successful community. So I'll share some of the questions. So these are some of the questions that I go through with my clients and with people that are either thinking of starting a community, have one and want to improve it. It's literally things like, who is this community for? Why does this community need to exist? Why doesn't it already exist if it doesn't? What makes it special? How are you going to deliver on the promises you're making to your community? Like, what are you going to do in this community? How are you going to design it? What features do you need? How are you going to share your content? What metrics are you going to track to make sure that you're meeting your goals? What are your goals, right? Like, and then you go to things like your, you know, your growth and marketing strategy, how are you going to find your members and how are they going to find you? The marketing piece is one that is shockingly missed almost always. And the beauty of community is there are so many places online where you can build community, but people need to know how to find it. And, mm. you know, it's one of those things that I hate Facebook groups for all the reasons we're all aware of, but the one benefit is certain people are already there mm-hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's easy for them to find and participate in community. Whereas if you build a community on Mighty or Circle or Kajabi, people have to go to those places. They don't bump into them randomly. They're not going to walk past that coffee shop on the way to somewhere else, right? They have to go out of their way to get it. So the marketing piece is really huge. And it's like, how are you going to talk about your community? Who is your person? Who is your ideal member? You can't be for... And I had a, I had a network that I worked with where their ideal member was any woman looking for support. And it was like, (laughs) oh, you mean all of them? (laughs) Every woman on earth? Well, that's, that's (laughs) ambitious. And it didn't succeed because Mm -hmm. it was too, it was too wide and unfocused. So, and it's things like, what do you want members to do when they go there? Mm -hmm. Right? Like we have a lot of expectations that we don't communicate to people, Mm -hmm. to our Mm -hmm. clients, to our audience, to our members, where it's like, if I'm having a community and my expectation is that people are going to post all the time, they're going to engage on other posts, they're going to whatever. And I never say that anywhere. Mm -hmm. You're going to have people that come in and they're like, well, I don't want to be too presumptuous and I don't want to just post, or I don't want to be commenting on, they think that that's not allowed. So Mm -hmm. this also goes back to the guidelines, right? Like, how are you going to help your members understand what is expected and welcome behavior in your Mm -hmm. community? So, I mean, there's, there's literally hundreds of questions, but this document has 50 of them. And I think it'll give people a good jump start um, to help them understand, like, what am I not thinking of in mm-hmm. terms of starting or improving a community? Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. I highly recommend baileyhancock.com slash community curious. That is Bailey, no E. Hancock.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you'll find me eventually. But yeah, it's I I just I really think that community is exactly where we are in our trajectory as humans right now. Mm-hmm. Like we are back to the place where we realize, oh, we started out this way in mm-hmm. tribes and in small communities. And that was how we came to survive and thrive as a species. And now we've gone full circle and we're so apart. And Mm -hmm. we're so disconnected from each other and we're so alone emotionally, mentally, physically, that we've gotten so far away from what made us thrive and successful in the first place. And I think there's a lot of people, most people understand why, why Mm -hmm. is community important? Why is connection important? 
but they just don't get, okay, but how, how do I build a community? How do I find community? How do I actually connect with another human being? I don't get it. And that's what I'm trying to do right now is like help people understand the how of it all, because Mm -hmm. it's not complicated, but it's not necessarily intuitive either. Mm -hmm. So these questions are good to ask yourself so that you're not spinning your wheels and you're not spending too much time and money on a community. That's also not going to achieve the goals that you want it to achieve Mm -hmm. because that's the another piece, right? Like people will often build a community for an external purpose Mm -hmm. and then forget to have their own goals with that community. And Mm -hmm. so it's almost like you need to set a set of goals for the business Mm -hmm. and for the community itself, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, how is this going to improve your business? Or if it's a hobby or a passion project, how are you going to measure success? What is going to feel good to you in six months or a year from now to have done with this community? And what does success look like for this community on its own and for Mm -hmm. the members, right? Because those are two different things entirely. And you need both. Otherwise, it just, it won't, it won't scratch all of your itches. And then Mm -hmm. you'll feel bitter and burn out about it, which I have definitely felt and seen other people feel over and over. Yeah. And I I genuinely think that the future of business of any kind of business, whether you are a small business service-based entrepreneur, whether you're a large corporation, the first thing that I think every business needs to start asking themselves is how does this genuinely serve the needs of the community that I am aiming at? Because I think we've gotten, I think you can see it. You can see the the overconsumption fatigue online. There's a lot of conversation about that. People are tired of buying things all of the time, especially things that don't work. People are tired of booking services that don't, that just feel like too automated and too put through, you know, what's like an assembly line or something like Mm -hmm. that. And so I think the first question goes, is going to, that everybody's going to have to ask themselves if they want to continue in business or stay thriving in business, or if things have fallen off and you don't know what's going on. I think the first question is, well, what's the community I'm talking to? And am I, am I genuinely showing up for the people that I say I want to show up for? Right. Right. It's like, are you making a lot of assumptions about what people want or Mm -hmm. have you asked any of them? Oh, this is something that I could go on and on about because with the rise of the ideal client avatar in like the 2010s and it's the Amy Porterfields and I, not that I don't love Jasmine Starr. I've been listening to her podcast a lot, but it's the Amy Porterfields and the Jasmine Stars and the Marie Forleo's that told everybody you need an ideal client avatar. Think of somebody in your head you want to work with and make a profile of them. And that doesn't do anything. You have to then take that and talk to actual people. And this is something that I used to talk about in my mentorships all of the time. I understand who your ideal client is. Have you spoken to them? Have you gotten on a call with them? Yeah. And that freaks people out because you actually do have to go ask again with the asks. You have to go ask people, can I have five minutes of your time? I'm just, you know, I'm someone who's trying to get to figure out how to move forward. And most people will say, yes, it's not like a, let me pick your brain over coffee situation. It's a, you know, people love giving you feedback. They love it. People love being asked their opinion on things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Name a person that doesn't, I've never met them. And (laughs) this goes back to how I've been sort of refining and building my own offers in this new stage of entrepreneurship is hopping on these exploratory calls and asking a lot of questions Mm -hmm. and listening, actually listening Mm -hmm. when people are telling me what their pain points are and what they think I can do for them. Mm -hmm. I always ask that. I was like, what, you know, what made you want to book a call with me? Like, what did you read or hear that made you think, oh, she might be able to help me Mm -hmm. tell me because I could guess, but that's not very helpful for anybody. So I think Mm -hmm. there's like a combination. I don't hate the ideal member archetype, but I think it has to be rooted in reality. It can't be 
totally pulled out of thin air. Right. Make up, you know, Jennifer, who's 42 and, you know, a single mom. It's like, yeah, she sure exists, but find an actual person that fits that demographic and ask her if you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. I think there was, you know, there was a time where we were told, oh my gosh, we were told so many things in the early 2010s. Well, the whole time, right? That whole decade, there were a lot of like, these are the rules and we all followed them diligently. And (laughs) most of us were not in business by the end of them. Mm -hmm. Right. And so (laughs) one of those things is like, you have your niche, you niche, 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 niche down. You offer your very clear one thing and then everything that isn't that don't do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's valuable to a point for Mm -hmm. people that are very scattered or have a ton of ideas and like just need some clarity and focus. Mm -hmm. But I think the part that we threw out was that adaptability and that flexibility Mm -hmm. of being able to say, so this is my offer, but tell me what it is that you're thinking about. I can adapt it a little bit here and there so that it'll be more beneficial for you. And we're not going to waste time doing something that isn't going to be valuable for you, but it still needs to be in my wheelhouse. It still needs to be something I want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And so as I've been building my new offers, one of them is community strategy sessions where it's an eight week container. We can talk for six hours. You can break up that six hours into whatever increments you want. We could do all six in one day. I don't care. You do 12, 30 minute sessions. Right. So it's like, there's that flexibility based on the person and how they like to learn. Mm-hmm. And then there's unlimited Slack support for the entire eight weeks. So it's like, if you're the kind of person that works late at night and you want to send me a ton of documents to review, or you're like, I wrote my community guidelines. What do you think? At midnight? Cool. I'm going to see that when I log on at 9.30 or 10 tomorrow morning. And I'm going to give you feedback asynchronistically. And what happens in those conversations and in Slack just needs to fall under the community connection collaboration umbrella, which I can back anything into those three <laughs> categories. It all falls back into one of those categories, right? So mm-hmm. this is my way of like, it's niching in the sense that I know that I can speak to these topics till mm-hmm. the day I die without taking a breath. But how we do that and what you're asking specifically and what I'm supporting you in and how I'm supporting you, mm-hmm. that can depend upon the person. And I think that just feels so much better to me because it's not too rigid. And I think rigidity, it just leads to breaking, right? Mm-hmm. Like if something's too hard and rigid, it will break eventually. But if it's smushy and adaptable, it'll just bend, you know? I love that. I love that. And I think we are definitely in a smushy and adaptable phase of business. Oh, 2023. Ooh, yeah. 2023 was, I've already talked about this a lot. 2023 was rough. I think I have, I'm very optimistic for 2024. I feel good about it. As long as we can stop, like, I think everything that we used to do stopped working in 2023. I think it stopped working honestly midway through 2022 is when I started noticing, I started noticing things. I was like, something's off here. And I started kind of hunkering down within my own business to kind of like wait it out and see what was going on. And it continued through 2023. And so what I saw was a complete, like not falling apart, but the way things used to work just don't work anymore. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, It's just that what people want, what people need, how people want to be spoken to has completely shifted. And so our ability to be a little bit loose, a little bit like willing to step outside the strategy, try something different and to honestly rethink about the way we approach almost everything, right? I really feel like content's going in a different direction. Marketing's going in a different direction. Sales is going in a different direction. And at the same time, all of the 
over the overlying principles that that do work the you know be transparent speak truthful um be clear about what what you can help with and what you can't help with those things remain the same so we're in an interesting period of like keep it loose guys it's gonna be fine but keep it loose (laughs) i mean honestly it's that desire for control Mm -hmm. that just is a fool's errand like it there mm. is none guys i'm sorry there is zero control to be had here and it it goes back to the resistance resistance to what is is just a desire for control when you don't have it mm-hmm. and if you can just bob and weave instead of being rigid and inflexible and digging your heels in it's the world is much less painful the world mm. is much more enjoyable if you can you know my mom's quote to me when i was a very rigid type a child was leave a little room for serendipity and i never did and then as an adult i'm like oh thank god that's the only thing that actually feels good is mm-hmm. leave a little room for magic leave a little room for things to your point like your 16 year old self would be blown away by because she could have never dreamed what we have now mm-hmm. you can't our brains can only handle so much and our brains are hardwired to keep us safe and mm-hmm. therefore in the old ways of doing things and the old patterns of behavior. And that generally leads us down a path of anxiety and stress and so much resistance. So yeah, this version of entrepreneurship for me, I mean, I named my company something entirely different than before because I'm like, this is a different business. Mm-hmm. I'm doing things differently. I'm doing things much more intuitively than I did mm-hmm. the last time, which is scary because it's like, I'm trusting me. And what the hell do I know? And turns out I know, I know everything I need to know. And so do you. And so does every single person listening. It's just a matter of whether you can get to that information. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that comes from just listening and being Mm -hmm. still and nobody likes to be still. So that's, that's where I'm approaching this and, and helping other people ask themselves those questions and look Mm -hmm. within, as opposed to buying another course or another that's. Yeah, all the things, right? You don't need another webinar. You don't, don't need, another... need a webinar. <laughs> I'm not allowed to buy any new programs or webinars. Like at this point, I've got everything I need. All the tools are there. It's just a matter of which ones are the right one for this particular job mm-hmm. and being as adaptable and flexible and blobby as humanly possible <laughs> and recognizing that, you know, it's all going to work out mm-hmm. or it isn't. Just go with it. Or it isn't. And I mean, I kind of, I kind of got to a space where, you know, first of all, let me, I want to underline the, let the magic in part, because I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. The best work I've ever made, the best photo work I've ever made came when I extra emphasized on that project. Like, yes, we want our shot list. We want to nail that in, but we need to leave room for magic, which is what I literally tell my clients. Like we have to leave room for magic because we're going to be on set and I'm going to see a, some, I'm going to see something that we can't even concept right now. And it's going to be amazing. And we got to have time to do it. Um, and if people trust me, it works out mwah, chef's kiss always, but, um, back to what you were just saying. Um, th- that I totally just fell out of my head. Oh my God. I was trying to think of too many things at once. I think I'm going to leave this in the episode because it is a thing. (laughs) I love to, I love to leave the human things that happen in the episode, but we were talking about some amazing stuff. Transparency. Let's be honest. Like we've talked about 50 different things today. This is the reality of A, Mm -hmm. being friends, B, being multidimensional women Mm -hmm. who have a lot of different pieces. And I will tell you this, I'll leave you with this. Like 
I've also, in addition to the flexibility and adaptability, mm -hmm. I've been leaning into the fact that I'm not a one trick pony. None mm -hmm. of us are. Mm -hmm. We have years and decades now of experience across various things. And we have all of these different skill sets and knowledge bases and interests that I am now very curious and interested in pulling in things from across a lot of different categories mm -hmm. as they see fit, right? Um, I just read a really great book called Range, and it's about how being a generalist is the future. How if you can be a generalist and then specialize in a particular area, mm -hmm. using a bunch of different um, ideas and concepts and bringing in all of these different pieces it just, it helps you brainstorm and problem solve and come up with solutions in such a better way. So embrace your multi-passionate selves, which mm -hmm. we all have, right? And we were told, nope, those don't get to be here. You need to specialize. You need to be, you know, again, niche down. Embrace it all. Embrace mm -hmm. the, the mess ups. Embrace the moments where you didn't know what the hell you were doing because those were your human moments. And I think it in it helps people connect with you that much more mm -hmm. when they can say, oh, good, she fucks up too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, dear listener, mm -hmm. I fuck up a lot. It's true. <laughs> yep. And the message I've been getting from myself or whoever's in my head telling me mm -hmm. nice things, which mm -hmm. there's that person too, mm -hmm. is you cannot fuck this up. That yes. is almost every day has been popping into my head. You cannot fuck this up. Yeah. So even if it seems like you're fucking it up, it's right on time. That's right exactly what was supposed to happen to get you to where you're going. It's all good. Just keep walking in the direction that feels correct. Pivot and be adaptable and flexible and just let the chips fall where they may. I love that. Perfect. That's all I've got for you. I'm done. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today. That was yet another magical conversation that I can't wait to share with everybody. Tell us a little bit, tell us one more time where people can find you, how they can connect with you. Best place is to go to baileyhancock.com. That's B-A-I-L-Y Hancock.com. And you can get the downloadable list for 50 questions to consider for a successful community. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm going in hard on LinkedIn these days because it feels like, I don't know, just feels like the place I want to be, which is odd. I've been on LinkedIn for 17 years wow. and I can safely say I've never felt like it wanted to be the place where I was, but it does now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm seeing a lot of cool conversations, having cool conversations. And I think it's the best way to, to get to know me and, and what it is that I do and vice versa, then I can get to know you. So I would love to connect on LinkedIn, send me a connection note that says, Hey, I heard you on pages podcast. And then let's, let's chat. But yeah, I'm just so grateful to be back here with you and for your friendship and your camaraderie during all of these crazy phases of my career. Well, your career is amazing. And I'm so grateful for you to be here and speak about it and be on LinkedIn and speak about it and share with everybody. Because I have I've loved watching all of the moves that you make. I think they're all inspiring and informative. And so grateful for you. I'm along the ride with you. I have no <laughs> idea what's going to happen next. So let's just be there together. I love it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me here today on Over the Edge podcast. Come back next week. And of course, like, subscribe, give me five stars. I would love that. Um, help a girl out because I am new to this podcasting thing and I could really use the support. Thank you guys so much for being here and I'll talk to you next week.